top of the day everyone this is hot garbage true crime edition i'm your host nisha b and this is my beautiful best friend and co-host Buddha badass and today we have actually a surprise two-parter okay okay hit me with the whammy man yeah i didn't okay so i wasn't expecting this case to be a two-parter because i really thought it was going to be able to be done in one episode but there's so many layers to this case there's so much digging and so much research i said you know for me to do this case justice it has to be in two parts it's like lasagna to you isn't it yeah you gotta get through all yes and plus i didn't pack you a lunch or a juice box so i know you can't sit that long Girl, you know doggone well. I have ADD. Well, yeah. I don't, but I feel like I do. Yes, we would have been sitting here for like four hours, literally, if Jesus. I did the whole thing. Because this is a big case. And this is actually our first case where I'm not sure if the person that did it, that's on death row, is the person that did it. And the whole country is divided by this case. There's half people that think, okay, yeah, the right guy's on death row. And there's other half people that's like, no. Like, there's so many layers to this case where you're going to be like, you're not gonna know because I just those don't are know. some of my favorites. Those yeah, actually are. Even though I, I listen to you and you feel like everybody should get off, either that or they're the stupidest person. You'd be like, "What's the stupidest thing they did? Get caught yeah. and then get the evidence? That's just dumb, right?" Like, this is this is. I'm telling you, there's criminals that's out there. That's what are probably the whole population of people listening to is people in prisons learning stuff on how to get it over the next time, right? <laughs> well. I like this. Yeah, this case, actually, some celebrities came out in support of Rodney Reed because this is the case of Rodney Reed. Kim Kardashian, Rihanna, they came out in support of him not getting the death penalty. Okay. And um, currently, right now, they've halted his case. So I'll get into that um, is in episode two. But as of right now, they he did have a death date set and they went ahead and they, you know, um, it's indefinite. So they went ahead and he's not off death row, but they're looking at stuff. Oh, God. That, I'm kind of nervous about what about, I'm about to get exposed to right Yeah, now. this is going to be. And he's one of those two that's been on death row for like 45 years. Um, it's been 25 years. Oh, uh, right. And he's been, he got his astronaut's degree and his children <laughs> are like are NBA players and give to the homeless. <laughs> See, this is what I'm talking about uh, these years later, Jazz. Well, we'll see. I mean, after this case, I mean, there's some stuff in this case that is going to make him look really bad, but then there's some other parts of the case you're going to be like, wait a minute, like he needs a new trial or something. So I'm going to get into it. Now, this case takes place in two cities in Texas. So there's Bastrop and then there's Giddings, Texas. Hmm. And so basically Bastrop is one of the most hysteric, historic small towns in Texas because a lot of the buildings actually predates the Civil War. So they, um, so it is very... Like that's like half of Texas. Yeah. Yeah, but this one is actually, you know, the most historic it got voted. It's a very small town. They're both very small towns. Uh-huh. It's rural. And at the time, there was only 5,000 to 7,000 people living there. Now, it was a part of Austin, Texas. So, like, you go, like, one town over, it's, you know, a part of Austin, Texas. It's right off of Austin. Now, the demo- the demographics is it's 80% white, and 20% makes up everything else. So, like, black, Latina, everything else. But it's very still segregated. So, over the other side of the railroad tracks is where the African-American families live. Mm, and that's course. considered yeah that's the african-american community you have to have a wrong side of the tracks yeah <laughs> you, they put they, they put railroad tracks there now just for that in cities yeah. <laughs> to know where the wrong side is now i'm gonna start off talking about the victim her name was stacy stites now stacy stites had moved um with her mother and two sisters to bastrop texas they they uh, originally came from smithfield texas and she graduated from smithfield high school 
Now, everybody that knew her said that she was popular. She was athletic. She was really bubbly. There's no one that said anything bad about her. She was also in the ROTC program when she was in high school. Oh, man. A future protector of the country. Yeah. Yeah. She was in a lot of activities. You know, once they moved to Bastrop, you know, after she graduated high school, she got a job at a car dealership. And then after that, she got a job at the HEB grocery store as a cashier. And then she moved to the HBC, uh, the HEB grocery store from the cashier. She moved to the produce department because that was a differential pay. And that was the overnight, like an overnight shift. People do that, yeah. Yeah. So all her coworkers said that she was very punctual. She never called in. She was very positive. She was somebody that was like me. Like, you know how, like, I'm never late and I always come to work? Like, she was also oh, like, you was by the book, Nisha. Yeah. I remember you, man. <laughs> yeah. So, like, if I ever didn't show up, it's like they're sending everybody to find out, like, what happened. Right. I could be your friend, but I could never have been one of your employees. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm super by the book. Well, this is how, this is how Stacy was. And then they said that she was always positive, charismatic. They said she was really funny and she was known to be very, very pretty. Everybody that knew her said that she was a beautiful woman. Now, in the summer of 1995, she started dating a 23-year-old man and his name was Jimmy Farnell. So, is he Italian? No, I don't think so. Farnell? What is that? I'm sorry. Yeah, Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy Farnell. I don't know what he was, but I don't think it was Italian. I'm not sure. Hmm. So... Basically, now, he had just graduated the police academy, and he took a job as a pro- patrolman at in Giddings. So that's what he had did. And they met at a Smithfield Jamboree Festival. Jamboree Festival. That's where they met at. So after a few months of them dating, they got engaged and everything like that. And Stacy and her mother, actually, they ended up moving into the same apartment complex. So uh, Jimmy and Stacy moved in together, mm-hmm. and they lived upstairs and then stacy's uh stacy's mom carol got an apartment downstairs so it was pretty cool they were in the same apartment that's complex. weird you do not is that weird downstairs oh i want my daughter to do that no because, you don't and you'll see why and you don't want your daughter downstairs from you I, and you'll I, see why I, <laughs> whenever you have a, a fun night out on the town <laughs> and y'all come back and going to uh to uh make to finish the night out on the right way well, and your child is right underneath that. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure that, I don't know, like, if they had thin walls or something. Like, I don't know. Oh, come upstairs probably... <laughs> and downstairs is upstairs and downstairs. Unless that is pure concrete. Well, I don't, they said it was catty quarter, So, I don't think it was like they was directly upstairs. Downstairs. I think, let's say their apartment was, like, upstairs. Her apartment was downstairs, like, on the side or something like that. They weren't directly upstairs, but they were in the same apartment building, if that makes sense. Okay, because yeah. that's good. Because I'm Cause telling that you, would I, be, man, yeah. <laughs> I, I lived with somebody and their mom lived upstairs and both. Boy, did I get an earful a couple of times. Oh, no. No, I think yeah, that I was, was happy that Mama was living her life, though. Yeah. But, man, I didn't want to hear that shit. She knocked my TV down one good time. Oh, no. hard to paint. <laughs> <laughs> That's some funny stuff. Now, so they were in the same building. And, of course, like I said, Stacy was working produce at the grocery store. And she had a super early morning shift. And so, at this point, she was saving up for her wedding and her dress. So, Typically, she would leave for work at 2.45 in the morning or 3 a.m. Because she would she would have to go to work at 3.30 in the morning. Mm, that's that real shit. Yeah, so it took her about 25 minutes to 30 minutes to get to work. Now, to get to work, she would either use her fiancé, Jim's car, or she would use her, or her fiancé's truck. Because he had a truck, or she would use her mom's car. See, that's one good thing about, you know, living in the same complex. That's great. 
Now, after, uh, yeah. So listen, so then after her shift, because she would get off, you know, like probably around like 12 o'clock PM, she would go to her mom's house for lunch and then she would take a nap because at this point, Jim would still be at work because he was a police officer. See how that's so great to just live in the same apartment complex. And then, what are you sitting here promoting this apartment complex thing? About? Well, no, because like living in the same apartment complex with your daughter. I that's just, just said upstairs, downstairs. You don't want them to be. I, it's okay to live in the same complex. Yeah. That's awesome. Living that's right awesome. beneath you. Oh yeah, is what I'm saying. You don't want. Well, you put, don't want your mama living right beneath you. Well, especially if you ain't happen. married. Well, <laughs> and you're in this house with this man. She gonna be judging. You want to go couple stairs one Thanksgiving and be looking at you like. You're like, Mama, what's wrong? Like, sin, daughter. <laughs> I just want to tell you about the love of Jesus. Do you know with the power of love and the consummation of marriage, you can have purification? Oh, my gosh. Imagine coming home like, to hear that. That'll be just so... <laughs> she's going to be coming at you, and you'll be like, where the hell this come from? Oh, my God. Because she's going to know that you came in at the New Year's and was going to town one good time, and she caught that. Now, now, after she had her lunch and her nap... Her and her mom would then do some wedding planning. And then when Jim would get off work at the police account, uh, the police department, he would go over to Carol's house. He would pick Stacy up and then they would just go upstairs and go home. So that was pretty much the day. Mm. Now, Carol, the mom, you know, the family, the friends, they all remembered that Stacy was super excited about her upcoming wedding. She was excited about the upcoming man that Jim was. And, but in the months that went on, it was noticed that Stacy started kind of having some anxiety and apprehension instead of being happy. And that was just, you know, a lot of people was like, well, she's just having cold feet. Cause you know, sometimes people get that before right, the she had a guy on the side. Yeah. She didn't know she to let it go. <laughs> now, Carol just thought, you know, as everybody thought like, okay, you know, she's just a little bit nervous, but some of Stacy's friends started noticing a change in her behavior. You know, like in the beginning, she would call them a lot. She was always hanging out with them a lot. And then that stopped like in the relationship, when she got into the relationship with Jim, that all kind of stopped. And one friend stated that he did not like her to hang out with her friends. One friend even stated that when she was on the phone with her, he would snatch the phone from her and just hang up in her face. So she wasn't really supposed to be, you know, on the phone. That's what some of the friends were saying later. I think she was hanging up on them and blaming it on her. <laughs> and he's like, why do you keep hanging up on them? And she's like, girl, I don't be feeling like talking. Have you ever did that to somebody before? I'll be like, just, yeah, you just got to take the L, baby. Yeah. Just, say you, just say you took the phone. Yeah, because people, be, people do be having some stupid ass reasons about having to get off the phone. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And so you just had to just yeah. come up with something. Act like the phone turned off or something. Like, you just turn the battery off. <laughs> have you ever did that to me before? I think you've done that to me before. I have not faked like I've turned <laughs> off the phone on you. There's times we be talking and all of a sudden I'm like, huh, he didn't call me back and the phone just hung up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, that's, that's happened that's to me before. You know, how did you just know that people be you doing act that? like the phone's dead. I mean, because you know, I'm not going to say that I am not a person that has done that. <laughs> but I'm just not going to say it with the times of which I have done that. I'm, so I am aware that it can be done. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Hold on. Now, people started to question if she was truly happy and they were, if they were happy in their relationship. Now, on April 22nd, 1996, Stacy arrived at Carol's apartment as usual. Jimmy went to the apartment as usual to pick him up, pick her up after his shift. So it was just a normal day. And the next day, Stacy had to go to work at 3 a.m. So she was using, she was planning to use his truck because the next day would have been his day off. So after work that day, they had also planned to go to the insurance company and they was going to go and start picking out flowers for the wedding, um, for the wedding. So a little while later, Jim got changed 
and he left his truck he left in his truck to coach a little, little league game and he left with his friend and his co-worker named david hall that he worked at the police with so david hall was also his partner as well so that was probably around 8 p.m and 8 30 and so carol which is stacy's mom saw jim return back home at around 8 p.m and 8 30. now this was all happening on one night she also observed that her daughter went downstairs to greet him and the two ran upstairs they were laughing they were teasing each other so they were just fine that night before now the next morning was april 23rd what type of stalker mom looking out the window <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> the next morning, April 23rd, Stacy had a coworker that was in the produce department named Andrew Cardenas. Now he arrived to work before 3.30 a.m. And he always waited for her to arrive so he could walk her in the store because it was, you know, it was dark outside and it was very deserted. So typically they were the two people that would open the store. So basically she never showed up at all. And he got worried because remember I said she don't ever like call out or anything like that. So when she didn't show up, though, he just went in to work because he had to go into work himself. Mm. Now, at 523 a.m., Officer Paul Alexander from the Bastrop Sheriff's Department observed Jim's truck was in the high school of the Bastrop High School parking lot. <coughs> now, it was noted that when Officer Alexander had patrolled the area earlier, the truck had not been there. So it looked weird to him. So the officer contacted dispatch and requested a stolen vehicle check. And at that time, the truck came back registered to Jim. So Officer Alexander went to investigate the vehicle, and he noticed that the seat was reclined and that there were books and clothing all over the seats. Outside the driver's side door on the ground, there was a piece of broken belt, and the belco was still attached to it. He also noticed that there was no shattered glass at all, so the truck hadn't been broken into. The driver's side door was still locked, and the ignition was still intact. So nobody had tried to steal it or anything like that. So since dispatch, it came back that the car had not been stolen at all. So Officer Alexander left the situation alone because even though it looked weird, it, it wasn't a stolen car or anything. So he just returned back to his day. Meanwhile, Stacy still did not show up for work. Her co-worker, Andrew Cardenas, decided to call Stacy's mom. Did the dad, the husband show up for work? He's a whole cop. Like oh, so Jim was off that the, day. The next so, day. Yeah, yes, at this point. Right. Yeah, so he was off this day. So so the co-worker called Stacy's mom. So at this point, Carol got very upset and worried. So at this point, she called Jim. That's when she called him. And he picked up the phone. He said he had been sleeping. He just woke up when she called. After Carol told him that Stacy did not come to work, Jim told her to call the police and he got dressed and he went downstairs to her apartment. Carol called and reported the <laughs> truck missing as well. And so Jim borrowed Carol's car and drove to the grocery store along the route that she normally would have taken to work, but there was no signs of Stacy or his truck at all. Now at 9 a.m., Ed Salmella, an investigator for the Bastrop Police Department, was dispatched to the high school parking lot to investigate Stacy Stites' missing person report because it had been reported that the truck had been in the, you know, the high school parking lot. So upon arrival to the high school, uh, Salmella requested assistance after he located the pickup truck as well. So then the law enforcement took photos of the pickup and documented the other pieces of evidence, which was the broken belt. The, dip, the Department of Public Safety Crime Lab was tasked with forensic assistant and for forensic um, testing. And so at that point, 
the um the truck was actually prepared and transported to Austin for forensic testing at that point. Because at that point, foul play was suspected. They didn't know like what had happened, but they just knew she was missing. But they knew to get some fingerprints were going on some NCSI stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And the belt. Yep. And the, and the truck ended up being found where again? It was at the high school, the Bastrop High School. I thought when they went there, it wasn't there. That's what so, he said when he drove up there. No, so basically, remember the first um, officer, Alexander, right? He had looked at the truck because the truck was like um, abandoned there, but they, he ran a report, like a missing truck report, a stolen mm-hmm. report. When he saw that it wasn't stolen, he left the situation alone. But then after now, she has reported, you know, that her daughter's missing and the truck is missing. Since that was already a report that the truck was in the high school, that's what made them go back to the high school and look at the truck. So when he took the car... Oh, when he took the car, he went to the grocery store. He followed along uh, the route. Oh, and that and that's one thing. So the high school... So he didn't go to the high school? No, yet? the high school was nowhere near... That's the weird thing about it. So the high school is nowhere near the her job or the house. So it's a completely different route. So he wouldn't have passed the high school in order to get to the job. He just took the route which she would have you know, taken to get to the job. Okay. So that's what makes this even more suspicious. So the truck was found at the high school. There would have been no reason for her to have parked the truck or anything at the high school. I mean, if, if she was the one that parked it there. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into how the truck ended up at the high school in the first place. Okay. But so for right now, they're just, you know, investigating, like, based off what they know. So, so now they have, so now they have take, they're going to be transporting the truck to Austin for forensic testing. And Jim was asked by investigators to answer some questions and go to where the truck was located for forensic testing. When he got to the location, <clears throat> the, the truck was held for testing. He was told, don't touch anything and just look inside to see if there was anything in there that shouldn't be in there or that he didn't recognize since it was his truck. Anything that looked out of place. He pointed out that Stacy's work shoe was on the passenger floor, the floor of the passenger side of the truck. There were also broken pieces of green plastic that looked like it was from the cup that Stacy took to work every morning. So it was a green cup that she always took like with coffee and stuff, and it looked like that cup was broke. He also said that that was Stacy's belt that was in there as well. So the truck was then delivered to DPS for processing the crime scene. And then at this, at the same time this happened, a real estate appraiser named Kenneth Osborne was driving by the Bastrop Lake on Blue Bonnet Drive, and he noticed something in the tall grass on the side of the road. He saw that it was a young woman's body partially clothed, and he could tell she was she was definitely deceased. So he got. You know did y'all keep bringing up the belt too? Like, did y'all use that as a restraining thing? Because I mean, why would the belt get broken? Yeah. Well, we'll get into that too. Yeah. So Kenneth Osborne, basically at that point, he went to a neighbor's, he went to a close house, a neighbor's house, and he called the police to let them know that he had found a body in the grass. John Barton was the first officer on the scene. He secured the crime scene and he stated that it was definitely the body of Stacy Stites. At that point, the area was photographed and the media came out. How far was that from where the high school was? Um, it didn't actually say how far it was from where the high school was, but we'll get into that when we get into the forensic part of it. And that probably won't be until episode two, because okay. I have to do a deeper dive of this research as well. Okay. So 
there was there was a helicopter flying by and so the officer john barton decided to cover stacy's body with a green blanket because she was partially clothed and he didn't want the media to get pics of the body so it was noted that this was a major mistake because anytime you see a dead body you're not supposed to touch anything yeah you're not supposed to do anything to the crime scene so that's already you know number one of so many mistakes So Lieutenant Rocky Wartlow arrived and called in DPS crime lab members. So they arrived after 5 p.m. The team had DNA specialists, photographers, trace evidence analysts, Latin print examiners, and a trainee that was in DNA as well. So all these people came out. The team documented the state of her body, including the fact that she had a missing shoe. Now, on the on the um, foot that the missing shoe was on, it said that the sock was clean, so it wasn't likely that she had walked outside after it was removed. She was also dressed in a black bra and a pair of dark blue pants with a broken zipper. There was a, Her white shirt was found nearby in the bushes as well, and she had her grocery store name tag, but it was, it was between her legs. The team also found a pattern of abrasions on Stacy's neck as if someone had attempted to strangle her with something. Near the road, there was another section of the braided leather belt that looked to be a match for the first piece that they found as well. Now, they believe that this belt was used to strangle her. Mm-hmm. Now, because and the reason that they said this is the similar patterns was the similar of the marks that was on Stacy's neck. So it was the exact same pattern as the belt. And also, this belt had been torn apart by force, and this is why it was broken. There was also a large amount of fluid that was discharged from her nose from the strangulation as well. There were scratches on her abdomen and her arms, and there was a burn from a cigarette butt on one arm as well. And she also had shallow wounds on her wrist and her back, and it looked like they was caused by, like, like fire ant bites. So, like, her body had been outside for so long that ants had started biting her up. That's how it looked. Her underwear was wet. They tested it for semen and that came back positive. They swapped samples from her vagina and her rectum, her chest and her breast area as well. There was also two bush beer cans that was collected from the scene of the crime as well. At that point, Stacy's body was bagged and taken to the local morgue for an autopsy. Now, uh, Stacy's family, Carol and her two sisters, were impor- informed at that point that Stacy's body had been found. And of course, Carol was devastated. And the sister said that she just kind of sat in her chair and she was rocking back and forth and she just kept saying my baby over and over and over again. Yeah. yeah. The autopsy was completed the following afternoon by Robert Bayardo. He notated that she had pre and post mortem injuries. So the post-mortem injuries were not- are noticed by the absence of blood or bruising around the wound because at that point the heart has stopped bleeding. Mm-hmm. So the cigarette burn and several scratches and abrasions happened after she had already died. Mm-hmm. Now, Bayardo also looked at Stacy's skull and found bruises, <coughs> bruises and injuries on the interior of the skull cavity and the brain. So basically, he was saying that it's like somebody punched her repeatedly in the head. But that was pre. That one was pre, yeah. Yeah, uh huh. This was pre death. She was punched in her head. And she also may have suffered a concussion as well. And he did say that the belt was definitely the murder weapon. Now, the crazy thing about it is the hybrid bone. Um, which is the larynx and the throat was not damaged. Typically, when someone is strangled to death, that bone will break. 
because of the force of the strangulation. And it's that it's the U-shaped bone that basically is in, in the bottom of your throat. <clears throat> That's the hybrid bone. But he said that that wasn't damaged at all. Now, there was also ligature marks that were caused by the belt. They, that looked post-death as well, too. So the time of death would have been around 3 a.m. on April 22nd. That's what they had it as. Now, another mistake is that DPS neglected to take the body temperature at the scene. So that would have gave them a more accurate time of death if they would have taken her temperature. And they're supposed to take the temperature of the body. For some reason, they didn't. Now, at that point, the only thing that they could go by is, you know, the fact that rigor mortis, at what time that has started setting in and what time she left her apartment. So it wasn't, that's not a clear time of death. That's just kind of what they went by. It's around about four hours, like four to six hours, which is the time she came missing. Mm-hmm. Now, vaginal swabs from the body as well had concluded that the sperm still had the heads and uh, tails attached to it. So it was fresh sperm. So that means that this sperm happened within 24 hours. Whatever sexual assault happened, happened within 24 hours. I mean, she went upstairs giggling. It wasn't an assault. She was giggling at her husband. There was something happening. Well, we'll we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Now, semen can only exist with heads and tails for about 24 hours. So that's how they knew this. Now, on April 25th, the truck was still being investigated. At the crime lab, there were no fingerprints found in this truck except for Stacy and Jim's. And the same mucus substance that was found in Stacy's nose was also found on the floor and the carpet of the truck. But the samples weren't taken from, you know, the floor. But they just said it was the same kind of mucus. The seat that had been reclined <clears throat> had had a seat belt and that was still buckled in. So the the whoever had reclined the seat just went ahead and buckled in the seat belt too. But there was nothing else found in the truck at all. So at that point, the truck was turned back over to Jim. So that was also a mistake that was found because typically in a situation like this, you're not supposed to just turn, you, you can investigate it, but typically they would have kept the truck a little bit longer because they might need to go back over something again, but they just kind of investigated and then they turned the truck back over to him and that was it. I don't know what they do. Yeah. <clears throat> So, yeah, usually they, because even like in a trial or something, something else might come up, they might have to go back over it to it. So, typically they don't turn it back over. But as soon as Jim got his truck back, he then traded it in at a local dealership. So, at this point, the truck is gone. So, even if they needed to come back and revisit anything, there's nothing that they could even do. And now somebody new has it. So, that's going to mess up everything. Now, at this point, he was brought in for questioning a few times because he was the last person to see her alive. And also because he was the fiance. So they always look at the boyfriend, husband, fiance, whoever, when something like this happens. So he told the detectives that he was with her the evening of her death. And just like Carol had said, she initially saw them both go into the apartment at around 8 p.m. Now, he said that about an hour later, Stacy went to bed since she had to get up for work so early. He said that they did not have sex that night and he fell asleep on the couch while watching TV. Oh. Yeah, she went to bed early. And didn't have sex. Yeah, they didn't have sex that night, you know. This is is when the case is about to start getting juicy. Is it? Yeah. So he also said that he didn't hear Stacy leave for work in the morning, but he does assume that she left by 2.45 a.m. because that's the time she would have had to leave, you know, to get to work. 
He was asked to provide a DNA sample, a blood sample, and a lie detector test. And as we talked about on lie detector tests, and I, this is what I always say, you know, when it comes to like any kind of DNA samples, or if they ask you to provide that, I would just say no. They need to get a warrant. And because well, this I'm is gonna, what you always say. Yes, this is what I'm going to say. If the police ask you to provide a DNA sample, a blood test, because first of all, we talked about lie detector tests. I think we talked about this on another episode. Lie detector tests are not admissible in court. Lie detector tests is basically just used as a scare tactic. So if they can say, okay, you're not telling the truth about this, it's basically used to, you know, unwind your story and get you like really scared to confess. It's so it's not, it's not admissible in court at all because a lie detector test is really just based on your emotions and how you're feeling. So you could be really nervous if something could come up like your <laughs> but that. yeah and i also i also say dns dna tests and all that i would not give up anything to the police unless they had a warrant and we'll see why when we get into this because it actually could bite you in the ass because you think okay well i'm giving this up because i'm innocent and i didn't do anything you know so i have nothing to hide but it'll come back and it'll bite you in the ass and we're gonna see why in a minute oh so i would think dna tests would be like unfathomable like if yeah i wasn't there like Kobe Bryant, take my DNA, bam! I was no way that I was in there. But the pr- the problem with that is they don't. What the, once they have your DNA, they keep it on file, and we'll see why this is a problem. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah, they they keep they don't get rid don't of it. You clone and it, me, buddy. Right, and it's not just used for this one case, and we're gonna see that in a minute. Keep my DNA. So now during the test, he showed during the uh, lie detector test, he did show signs of deception when he was asked if he had anything to do with Stacy's death or if he strangled her. He failed the first polygraph test and then he came in and took a second polygraph test and again he showed signs of deceptions and basically all these signs of deceptions was questions surrounding the death but again a lie detector test is not a mission you can't arrest somebody off of failing a lie detector test so at this point he requested a lawyer and he invoked his fifth amendment right and i always say what i always say whether you're guilty or innocent make sure you're not questioned by the cops without a lawyer so at this point, you, you know, you need to be his lawyer, That's <laughs> what it is, at least PR advisor, right? Like now, stop talking. Be like, yes, ma'am. Dang it, I can't not even to, on uh, Facebook. But like, nope, shut it down. I wouldn't even start it talking. Like if they even asked me, can I come down to the question, uh, the station, to answer the question? I need a lawyer. That's that's all that's, we've been saying. I need huh? a lawyer. There's nothing else to be said. Because once you say I need a lawyer, they can't ask you no more questions. Everything is just over with. Mm. Mm. Yep. Now, another mistake that investigators made was they never searched Jim's and Stacy's apartment because the assumption was that the crime did not happen there, but the apartment still should have been searched, you know? Now, the DNA that was tested, that was on her stuff, it came back and it excluded Jim. That was not his DNA at all. That was not his sperm or his DNA. Now, at all, when, while they was investigating, in the meantime, Stacy's uh, funeral happened. And the sad thing was, she was, they buried her in her wedding dress. So she was able to get her wedding wow. dress. And at the funeral, Jim actually placed the wedding ring on her finger as she lay in the casket. So they kind of had like a little wedding funeral. So it was that. That was wow. really sad. Now, at this point, the case just went cold. There was no new leads that came. They didn't know what happened or anything like that. So the case, you know, went cold. And at this point, they still investigated. They compared the DNA to 12 of Stacy's ex-boyfriends and also some other known sex offenders in the area, and all that came back clean. So again, the case went back cold. It went cold again. 
So with all the investigations that were going on, there was a patrolman in the evening um, and it was a Bastrop uh, patrolman. He reported that he kept seeing 28, a 28-year-old African-American man named Rodney Reed walking around at night. So now Rodney was, he was an African-American man who lived near, like I said, the African-American community by the railroad tracks. Runs yeah, but the crazy thing about it is his house was by that high school as well, like a little bit by the high school. As he lived with his parents and his siblings, and basically his father, Walter Reed, he was an Air Force veteran. His mother, Sandra, was a nurse. Rodney was raised by six brothers, and he attended um, high school as well, so he was, you know, a native there. <clears throat> and he had been on the football team. He was a Golden State Gloves champion boxer, and his birthday was December 22nd, 1967. So he went to Hershey High School. Now, like I said, the Bastrop High School was also found, the truck was found at Bastrop High School, and that was, you know, by his house as well. Now, this is why I said don't provide DNA at all, because Rodney had actually been associated or accused of sexual assault in the past. And so when he was questioned about this case, they asked him, do you want to provide DNA? And he provided the DNA and it excluded him. He, it turned out he was not the guy that raped the other woman at all. Well, they kept his DNA on file. Now, this is what happened. So, Wait a minute. Yeah. Are you trying to tell me to not promote the keeping of the DNA because they find a man that raped a woman? No, th he was not. No, he was not. So he was he was innocent of this rape. That was the whole thing. But the DNA that they about to find is his sperm inside her. Yeah, this. Well, well you're getting ahead of the story. But I'm just yeah. like listening to what you're saying yeah, when you're telling me like, remember I told you, remember I said this. I'm like, I'm starting to be like, okay, I'm remembering. Yeah. But now when I'm putting this together, let me listen. Now. Yeah, like y'all ever put yeah, that, and this is why. So they was like, okay, when they saw him walking around, they was like. We're going to, we're going to see if his DNA is on file because they kept seeing him walk around. And like I said, that's why it was on file because of the sexual assault he was accused of a few months off, uh, earlier. And that cleared his name. Now this DNA did match the DNA that had been in Stacy's body. So this is what I was saying. Like, don't provide nothing. I mean, if I want to plan on killing somebody, like that, <laughs> is what you're, I mean, this is the advice that you're giving me. I, I but if just, I don't believe that I'm doing anything wrong, I'd be like, well, look up the DNA that you already have on file. You don't have to stick me again. Well, well and I'm still innocent. Well, you're if gonna, I'm that person, I mean, you know, there's that. Well, well, you're gonna see. Well, I mean, there's a lot of twists and turns in this case. I mean, it's not like they, you're trying to say they planted his sperm in there. <laughs> I mean, that's not like you're, you're if it does sperm. match, then it does match. Yeah, we're we're gonna see. We're gonna <laughs> see what 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 the what he says about why the sperm is there now. Oh yeah, this is good stuff. Yeah, this I told you this case it's different than any case we've done because this case has a lot of twists and turns in it. Now, Ronnie Reed was actually brought in for questioning uh, over the ruse of a drug charge. So they brought him in. They said that it was over a drug charge. Ronnie agreed to go and, you know, answer the questions about the drug charge. When he got in the room, he was read his Miranda rights, and they started questioning him about Stacy Stites. They held up a picture. They asked him, do you know Stacy Stites? And he waived his rights. He gave a written statement saying that he did not know Stacy Stites. And he only knew about her from what was in the news about her being missing and that she was murdered. Now, Rodney Reed was then charged at that point with her murder and her sexual assault. 
Now, this was this was a year after she had been murdered. So the case had been cold this time. And then a year later, they got him. Now, I would say stupidest part of the crime. This is where I'm going to say the stupidest part of the crime. I always say don't lie to law. First of all, like I said, always go in with an attorney. You know what I mean? To get questioned. I don't I care what never getting DNA. Yeah. But... And- but if you're going to like get questioned, don't lie about little things to the police. And I know that sounds weird, but most people that get questioned, they don't get caught up on the big lie. They get caught up on the little things. If somebody asks, hey, do you know this person? They already know the answer, but they want to see if you're going to lie about it. So it makes it easier for them to unwind your story at that point, right? Because I think we talked about that. In, it was the Lululemon case. Remember they asked, had the girl, have, have you ever been in her car? Well, they already had her DNA, so they knew the answer. She was like, no. That's how people get caught. So you just tell the truth right then and there because if he would have just told the truth that he knew her, we might have been sitting in a different situation at this point, you know? I mean, so, for you who's rooting for this guy, yes. Uh, well, I'll say number one, don't ever lie about little things to the police because they already know the answer to it and you're just going to get yourself caught up. I do. Well, I, well, I agree with what you're saying but mm-hmm. for a whole different uh, reasoning mm-hmm. behind it. Is you know I would of course I'm definitely lawyering up just in front of cops because mm-hmm. I just feel like they're trying to get me. Yeah. Um, but I do, and I should have somebody who knows the lingo and helps me through it. But I do believe that no, I'm not gonna sit here and lie about what's going on. Mm-hmm. But, Especially if you're innocent, because innocent people don't lie. That's you know what I mean. And once you lie, you become like they never trust anything you say ever again because you but, lied about something little. Right. They call it something like losing character or something like that. Yeah. And once they have the proof that they can't trust your character, then they don't have to believe you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we'll see. This happens a lot in this case. Now, he went to trial in 1998, which is, this was a year after he had been arrested. Lydia Clay Jackson and Glenn were two public defenders. So he got his public defenders two months before his trial, which was a, you know, it was a little bit of time because, you know, usually for a trial like this, you need to have your lawyer in place. They need to already be going over everything. Two months is just, is too long. You know, it's too long. Um, so he explained to his lawyers that the statement that he gave the police was false and that he did know Stacy Stites. He said that they had been involved on, in a secret affair for the last five or six months before she was killed. Remember I said stupidest part of the crime? You see how they came back to bite him in the ass? Like you said you didn't know or now all of a sudden you were in an affair? Like that's crazy. I mean, it is crazy. Yeah, and I would have said, said that straight up. DNA. Right, I would have <clears> said that straight up. But that know? to me is just like efficiency of DNA. I'm promoting that stuff. So you was there, the DNA said you was there. Mm-hmm. So yes, give DNA. Everybody should get DNA. So you I'm know not what? giving it'd be shit. hard as I'm hell giving... to catch your ass in some crime. I'm not giving That's shit. That's what you want me to send in. I don't want it either. Yeah, you're gonna I have mean, to you gonna have to get a, a subpoena for my DNA. Uh fingerprint? They, I don't think they they got your fingerprints on file. I know they do. <laughs> you can commit some type of crime. <laughs> Whatever. Like I am a, a citizen of the law. Mm-hmm. You keep saying that. He said that they had consensual sex a few days before her murder. He also said that she, because she was engaged to a white police officer, it was important to keep it a secret because at that time, interracial relationships was not accepted into the community. He also provided names and phone numbers for people that could verify this information. He also provided an alibi for where he was the night of the murder. So two months later, Rodney Reed was set to face a jury of his peers and it's important everybody noted that it was an all-white jury. So I always say, like, a, a jury of your peers should be, like, a whole, like, you know, a whole duration of people. You know what I mean? Mm. But this was a jury of the peers. Um, so, basically, um, 
during opening statements, the defense basic the defense planned to, on stating that the only evidence in the case was the DNA that was deposited during consensual sex. They also planned to show the jury that Rodney and Stacy were in a relationship and that the killer was somebody else close to her, such as they pointed out the fiance Jimmy. The prosecution was led by Elisa Tanner, and they laid out their timeline and what they believed happened on the night of Stacy's murder. They said they believed that Stacy left home at around 3 a.m. in Jim's truck. Somewhere along the drive to work, Rodney was able to gain entry into Stacy's truck and overpower her. He raped her, strangled her, and drove her to the lake. He dumped her body, and then he drove to, uh, to the high school, which was by his home, to abandon the truck. Now, the DNA evidence was the prosecution's strongest weapon. During the, the trial, the defense was only able to get a few but witnesses. But they don't have any of his DNA in the car, fingerprints. No, they don't have nothing of his in the car. It's just the, sper the sperm. That's it. That's all they have. Now, during the trial defense, the defense, unfortunately, was only able to get a few witnesses to testify about the relationship with Stacy. One of the witnesses got Stacy's name wrong in her testimony. The other witnesses fell apart during cross-examinations, and many of the witnesses were members of the African-American, you know, community that were scared to come forward because they either, they had criminal records, um, they were just scared of the police, and they just didn't want to come forward. And so there was also two witnesses that the defense never called to the stand at all. Be, and But since they have also signed sworn affidavits, because this has been an ongoing thing, but they just never called them at that time. Now, at this point, Reed's alibi and the secret relationship defense fell apart because of all the witnesses falling apart and everything. Now, the prosecution made a comment in the courtroom that said that this affair was so secret that even the victim didn't know about it. On May 18th, after six hours of deliberation, the jury found Rodney Reed guilty of sexual assault and capital murder. During the sentencing phase, the prosecution brought up five women, five women forward to testify against Rodney Reed and previous sexual allegations. So these five women, yeah, these five women, they couldn't be in the original uh, court case because, because they, he was found not, or he, there wasn't enough evidence. So he never actually got charged with these women. So they couldn't bring it up, but they can bring them up in the sentencing phase. And the sentencing phase is where they determine what his punishment is going to be. I mean, bring them up in with their accusations. Yeah, so I mean, five accusations. Yeah, Jesus. that's why I said like, because like when I I knew about this case on the surface, and I didn't know about the five accusations until I actually started researching it, and I was like, how like five women accusing you of sexual assault? Like that's a lot, you know? Because right. even when I was like, I was on the brink of this case, that doesn't make him look at how is five different women accusing you of sexual assault. Not to yeah. mention, that's why your DNA was on file in the first place, right, because right. you got accused. Like how many of them were related? Yeah. If they, if they didn't live by each other, and they didn't even really know each other yeah. like that, that's, that's kind of curious right there. That's why I was like, like five it. different women. That's what I mean. Same thing when I'm like, hey, with Tiger Woods climbing 50, like, okay, after a while, um, y'all yeah. can't that he raped all y'all. But when it's happening more it's a certain kind of sweet spot number it sounds weird yeah where it's like uh, why are so many women saying you're doing that though right why do you keep getting accused of sexual assault that's why I was right. like yeah I was like I don't know that that part didn't make it look good. right that part's kind of gray so you know one of the women that one of the women that he was acquitted of so there was five women that accused him of sexual assault and one he he was acquitted of 
And then most of them, they didn't have enough evidence. So I don't know what to think about that. What do you think about five women? And that's not even including the dead girl. So that's really six women. Uh, it, it is. This looks bad. It is bad, but in the same, the, the only thing that I've gave him his points on mm-hmm. is him putting his DNA and he was confident that his DNA wouldn't be there right. for the things that he did as a sexual assault, and it didn't, and it wasn't. So that makes it kind of like, hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, and then, yeah, and it wasn't. I mean, cause so he didn't, you know, do the other one. And then, of course, you know, his DNA matched this, but were they in a consensual relationship? That's the only thing that is like, okay, were they? I, I've been I'm, waiting to ask this question, but I was waiting for you to finish where we was going to have for the day because I've been waiting to ask a question about timeline. Okay. Um, from you. Okay. But but where are we at? What I'm okay. With this? You, okay, you're going to ask that later. So I was on the part. Because when, when did she die? She died on, let's see. No, no. Yeah, she died. Oh, yeah, when did she die? Yes, tell me this all. Okay. So let me go. It is the lead within what time span? What time span? And what day? Time of death: three a.m. on April twenty second. So sometime, sometime between three and six is what they could even do by rigor mortis. By uh-huh. that thing. Yeah, because remember they didn't take her temperature at right. the time. So there's an approximation of about three hours. Uh-huh. Sometime between three and six. Uh-huh. When was she found? So she was found at around five p.m. That same day. Yeah, it was the same day. Yep. So, by somebody else. So she was they, found by that uh, that so realtor. So they went looking for the truck and all the stuff, and nobody could find her. Somebody found her on their own by a, a by a train tracks. Yeah, they found her in the bushes. Yeah, uh, on, on the same uh-huh, day, uh-huh. five p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And at some time, with sperm living for twenty four hours, so it had to be between five p.m. the day before. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That she had to have had sex with that guy. Mm-hmm. And the, her man be off on police shifts mm-hmm. with no comeback lunches for 12-hour shifts or something like yeah. that. Yeah, uh-huh. He has long shifts. And, but the day of her murder, he was off. That was his off day. The day she was killed. Remember, because she no, left... The day after is when she was murdered. Because she was supposed to leave out at 3 a.m. And he yeah. was off that day. Yeah, he was off that day. He was off the day. So the 3 a.m., she was supposed to leave at 3 a.m. He would have been off that day. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, the so they were together when, the night before. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that means that he was at work then the, mm-hmm. day she, the day she supposedly got killed during the day. That she, During the day, then they came home together to that night is what I'm getting to. No. And then he was going to be off in the morning. Yeah, he was going to be off in the morning. So, remember that night before, she went to bed early because she had to go to work at 3 a.m. Right. Yeah, so I'm that next morning, he would have been off. Right. Yeah, because she would, yeah. Go- he had been gone all day while she was doing what during the day? So, he had been gone, all- oh, yeah, because that night before, he would have worked. Yeah, he worked. He went to that Little League game, remember? Because that's when the mom saw him come back upstairs. Mm-hmm. And What was she doing all that day? Yeah, see, I don't know. That's, oh, let me go back, because we did do a timeline on that. See, we're about to solve this shit ourselves right now. So right? what I'm saying is that he could have probably had sex with her within a 24-hour That's what span. I was thinking, because I need to go back to that. Before this. 5 p.m. when she got home, he was aware that her she was fucking on this guy and was mad at him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going back. I'm trying to go back to my timeline real quick, because, yeah, this is a timeline. I'm about to go right back over it real quick. Okay, so, okay, 
Okay, so here it is. Okay, April 22nd, 1996. So she got to her mom's house as usual because remember she goes to her mom's house after work. This is the day before her murder. Mm -hmm. Okay, Jimmy came to the apartment, picked her up after his shift at the police department. Okay, so she had been at her mom's house. Stacy had to go to work the next day at 3 a.m., and was planning to use his truck since it was his day off that day. I mean, so she claimed that she was at her mom's house the whole day until he came to pick her yeah, up. Yeah, because remember when she got off work, that was her whole thing. She would go to her mom's house, take a nap, eat lunch. They would do some wedding planning, and then he would come get her from her mom's house. Because, I mean, but somewhere in there, that sperm got inside it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't his sperm, too, because they already had tested it. That wasn't his sperm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, and he says it was a fair, so. Yeah. And if, if it was a rape, it would be at 3 a.m. And I'm well, I mean, I'm not ready to call it that yet, but it could be. Mm-hmm. But if it was the other guy, then sometime between the time when you got picked up and you're chilling with your mom, mm-hmm. you're sexing this guy. Mm-hmm. So now, I don't know. That's what I'm. That's that. I'm. A, I'm. A, I'm leaning. That's a, and, the two stories that have to be. That's so that means your mama has to be lying for you. And and I know I would lie for my daughter. I'm not gonna. I wouldn't snitch that's on awesome. my daughter. Yeah, so I wouldn't you snitch would on help my daughter. Your daughter cheat on her husband. I would not. I mean, I'm not gonna help her cheat. I would tell her you shouldn't be doing that. But I'm not fixing a snitch. Like, what about for you? Oh, like by the way, my daughter's cheating. Like it's a horrible situation. Be right. That's what. I, and and I, then I think about that because what if your that. daughter gets her ass beat and that's your fault because you snitch? Like I would never do that. Would you do that? Would you snitch on your daughter for cheating? I don't know, man. No. I would. I asked her not to bring this in. I don't want to be in that situation. Oh. You don't do that. You gotta. You gotta cheat around me too. Oh, oh. Because yeah. Because in the same token, that person has reason to hate you too. Yeah, and that's. I mean, that's. I mean, that's a hard situation to be in. But I'm just thinking about it to my daughter or my son. Like, I, I can't see myself, like, snitching on them to the other person. But I would tell them personally, you shouldn't be doing that. Like, you know what you're doing is wrong. I didn't raise you like this. But, I mean, if but you're the one. Yeah, because it's not my situation to be in. Right. That's why I'd be like, don't don't put me into this. Because what if you cause a murder to happen? Like, what if you cause that spouse to murder your child because you said something? Like, I, I mean, couldn't even live with I, that. I think of it in the same breath as you not saying nothing caused that spouse to get murdered. Because they oh. found out on their own that you ain't at your mama's house. Oh, God. And you lying about being at your mama's house. And your mama lying with you, so you're just a lying-ass family. And so you just yeah. going to doing this to me. Well, you're right. So in this situation, those are the only two things that could have happened. Either he right. lied or the mom has to be lying. She wasn't yeah, over the there. the mom had to be down with it, too. Yeah, and that means that when he came to pick her up that night, that she just kind of went back over there like she had been there the whole time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's hard. Because that's the only way this will work, for the sperm to have been in there. Right, that's Damn. the only way. Either so, so, and he was aware of it, and I mean, with the frustration of thinking that your mom is down with it too, helping would add to a frustration of a person. Yeah, I know. Because if, 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 if you saying it, oh, you wouldn't want you wouldn't want to tell your child. Mm-mm. But if you are the woman that's coming, or the person that's going over to somebody else's house, and the whole family know you getting cheated on. That's happened to me before. That's the. Did it feel my, great? No, I I felt hella stupid because, like, honestly. These were people that I was really close to, and they knew. Like they just, there was one person that told me that was real nice enough to tell me, and that person was a child at the time, and they actually told me. But everybody else did you not knew. tell me. Why are you getting played? I felt stupid. So yeah, I do understand that feeling too. 
So that's a really hard situation to be in. Mm-hmm. Like, I just couldn't see that happen. But at the end of the day, I would say that my child is my first priority, so I am going to have my child's back. I mean, because blood's thicker than water. At the end of the day, if my child divorces this person, I'm never going to see this person again, talk to them ever again. So why would I go against my child for this person? Like, this person is my son-in-law, my daughter-in-law by marriage. But what is our relationship going to be if they wasn't together? Like I said, also, the flip side is, is this person feels like you guys are going to be a habitual family life. Mm-hmm. So... To sit there and be like, I'm leaving because they cheated on me. Mm-hmm. Whose side would you be on? Well, it sounds like you'd be on the cheater side still. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. that's my child. Like, I, like, am I gonna? Because how can I like blackball my child? And what am I gonna do? Like, have a relationship? I'm not saying you, you blackball. I'm just yeah. saying if you look at it as a person yeah. who feels like they want to see justice. Because sometimes, let me, let me. The life is not like, and that's one of the reasons why I'd be like, the laws is kind of made for women, especially for divorces and stuff. Uh-huh. Life doesn't be even, even with the laws and you put the justice in it. Sometimes you get, I've, and I've heard horror stories from guys say that they get cheated on by their wife, uh-huh. and their wife says they just felt like it wasn't a good situation for them, and the guy is not, he's so heartbroken, he's not diligent with his paperwork that he's doing when he's doing divorce uh-huh. and all this stuff. And a woman gets a majority of the stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and, and has to get paid alimony because of mm-hmm. him yeah. uh, saying that he's inadequate of what he did in the relationship yeah. and caused the cheat to happen. Yeah. Like blaming him being cheated on, on him. Mm-hmm. And so these guys end up losing and getting a whole lot of stuff taken from them. Yeah. And you see this person living and being happy in life when yeah. you finally realize they screwed you over. Well, yeah, and that's the you sad know. thing about it because all the court all documents, all they see is black and white. And that's why typically when you get a divorce, they do the irreconcilable irre- differences. So that means it doesn't matter what happened. You still have to pay your child support, your alimony, whatever it is. Yeah, it doesn't matter whose fault it was. Usually it's to the, the women always, like, every time. Yeah, that's, usually, yeah, that's it's, crazy. It's, it's even crazy on that. Yeah. Like, even if you, you don't agree with what she's saying, even if y'all can't prove that she's yeah. saying the right thing, you still got to pay. You have to pay. Be, Kanye West, he's the best story about that. Oh, I forgot about that. She, she yeah, got, Y'all got ha- joint custody and he's still paying yeah how does that even make sense you gotta pay no matter what you gotta pay yeah. and y'all split it up you found out it was 50 50 it's fair he's not incompetent he's not yeah. crazy and he's still gonna pay yeah so it's just very heavily favored mm-hmm. in that way where some guys be like i don't want to see her get off yeah because that's what's gonna happen yeah well, the good thing, I would always say, the good thing in this case, though, they weren't even married yet. So, I mean, if they would have broke up, he wouldn't have owed nothing. They didn't have no kids oh, or yeah. nothing. Yeah. That was the only good thing. He, I mean, he really could have just walked away. I mean, if he did do it, the only reason he did it is because he was hella mad. But right? Like I said, he would have had it, to it pay shit. Be, it's, it's, the only, it's, it's come down to two scenarios. Yeah. It's on timeline, base plan. Mm-hmm. And it had to be like, this woman was aware that that happened or this man really did rape her. Yeah. Those are the only two scenarios. Well... Basically, um, of course, Rodney Reed was found guilty and he was sentenced to the death penalty. Um, and at this point, Rodney Reed immediately started piling, uh, filing appeals. The Innocent Project and Texas Defender Services have been looking into this case with him. It's been 25 years. At some point, I didn't look, but at some point, um, part two, I'll get into it, but he had a death date set. And I want to say it was 2019 or 2020. That, those death dates have been um, taken away because they're actually, they might grant him a new trial. So this is ongoing. And there has been a numerous of appeals filed in this case. And like I said, this case has gotten the attention from Kim Kardashian, Rihanna. You know, a lot of people are speaking out because there were so many things that was done wrong in this case. And they keep 
they kept, you know, kind of denying his appeals, but at this point they're taking all his appeals and they're looking at it one by one and looking how a lot of the, you know, even the evidence was abused. And that's what I'm going to get into part two. We're going to go into the forensic evidence, the mistakes that was made. And this is why at this point, this is still ongoing. So they've halted his um, execution indefinitely until, you know, they figure out what happens with this. This kind of almost makes it sucky, buddy, mm-hmm. because I feel like bureaucracy of the system moves so dang on slow. Mm-hmm. Um, but only because of the mess up the, of the evidence. Mm-hmm. Is what I'm saying is I see why they have like so much red tape and so many lines yeah. they want you to walk through, even as being an officer for investigating stuff. Yeah, uh, because dang. To come to, to try and use it in court, and it has to be like a almost a, a finality, yeah, of what you have of the information that you give, mm-hmm. and, and indisputable from the sources in which you get it from, yeah. Because, and I do see something as simple as it sounds like a tarp thrown over her body to try yeah. and be decent, to try and be a decent person, mm-hmm. can cause a shamble and whether a murderer, a murderer can get away, yeah. I mean, and this is. I mean, this is a case where I'm like, you know, this is one of the cases where I'm kind of glad that the system moves slow because if he is innocent, they have time to comb through all this. No. You know, because imagine, because this has happened before, before we'll go over a case where they did execute somebody. This this was back in, because this they just started doing this. Back then, like, if you got death penalty, you got death penalty. Then a 14-year-old boy got executed, and it came back 20 years later that he was completely innocent. And it's like, so they told his family, you know, apologize for that, you know, but what is an apology going to do, you know? So I was like, and we're going to go over that case. That case is on the list. That case is actually really sad. But, you know, this case, it has so many twists and turns. And, of course, there's a huge racial underlining as far as it, because a lot of people are like, you know, because he was an African-American guy. She was a Caucasian woman. And it, back then, it was the 90s. And in those small towns, you know, a black man and a white woman, I could see why he would have been scared to say anything. But at the same time, if I have a choice between, you know, yes, I was messing around with a white woman or taking a murder charge, I would just have to cop to mess around with a white woman, you know. So I was like... <clears throat> the funny thing is... is- it was to him the lesser of two evils. Mm-hmm. You, you've heard of, it. Would depend on where it was at and with the time span. But it was nineteen ninety eight or nineteen ninety six. Well, it still depend on where it was at. Then mm-hmm. depend on where it was at in America. People say they don't want to believe it, especially if it was in California mm-hmm. and you know maybe even some nearer countries um, that aren't aware of how strong some of the southern racism is. Mm-hmm. But it was like the lesser of two deaths. Either yeah. you say he was with a white woman and mm-hmm. then they allow a mob to come and drag your butt out of there yeah. and put poison, rat poison down your throat and drag mm-hmm. you behind a bus and pee on your body. Yeah. Or you just say you didn't know and you just get, you know, the lethal injection. Well, and that's true too because like he said, oh, she, she was engaged to a white police officer too. So that was a big thing too. Can yeah, you imagine? In the police system. Yeah. So. so you say, I've been doing this police officer's wife on public TV. Yeah. So I don't know. And then they they claim that you you know you drank soap and you hung yourself in your jail cell. Yeah. And you penis in your mouth. You know they, they say <laughs> it'd be like how in the heck do they do that? But they and he fell on seven bullets. Yeah. Beating himself in the face with the bars and knocked off his own teeth. Yeah. Like come on man. That just does not. Yeah no. I man. So it's just one of those situations where he's like it was a it's a rough call. Yeah. Just even sounding about it. Well, I guess in this case, you'll have to wait to part two to really do your final judgment on if you think he did it or not. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, 
like I said, right now I'm at a two parter. Yeah, no matter this is, and and you was calling away DNA, and and you have actually on accident become an advocate for it for me, because of the fact that hey, this person who's been accused five times, uh, has his DNA on file, and then the sixth time. That there is something that with his with him with him and any involvement yeah. is his DNA on file with being with with, with something ha- that's happening. Yeah. He denies it being there, but he was he, he had to have been there because of the fact that your DNA is there. Right. I am an advocate of that now. I will say that. Yeah. Because it it, it takes away a part where you can lie about whether or whether or not you was there. Yeah. And all honesty, I feel like if I was, I'd feel more comfortable and a little more snotty, a little more assholey if someone breaks in my house or someone tries to threaten me with killing me. If I felt, if I felt like the mm-hmm. government had DNA on almost everybody, mm-hmm. I'd be like, "You're gonna get caught." Like in my mind, <laughs> yeah. I feel yeah. more believed in the system of protection yeah. that you guys are supposed to be instead of taking it in our own hands what you guys are trying to tell us not to do and you're supposed mm-hmm. to be the provider of that protection well if you guys said that you can find them then I'm more believing in you well I mean it's good like I know that in prison especially on death rows they did pass a law like if you're on death row or if you have any kind of violent crime you do have to provide your DNA and it's not something that they can say no to and I know a lot of cold cases has been solved based on that so a lot of people you know a lot of people came up missing and stuff like that and they didn't know these is the cases that's been going on for 20 years and once they got all these serial killers DNA they're like oh wait this person killed this person too you know they was able to put them on trial for that and so that really helps, I'm, you know. I'm a promoter of it. I'm telling you. I'm but, not. Because they don't have a choice. But I'm not still even, like, if you ask you, me. You, because you're an advocate of getting away with a crime. No, I, not, I am not. If you ask I me. I will willingly, because I don't anticipate going out to killing somebody. If I have to kill somebody because of something that you probably did to my child or to somebody I love like that, it's more than like my child because there's nobody else I really love like that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm what about my your future. wife? Got to oh, say yeah, wife. I'll make sure you said that. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like, I don't know. I feel like everybody, that's like a given under umbrella where I'm like, I don't yeah. think nothing would like happen to her. I feel like she's going to die from cancer. Oh, gosh. Like, she's, like, she's going to be Not like from wood. No, yeah, I mean, like, she's going to die from old age type of stuff. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It's yeah. Like, she's not one of those people that's action-packed and then like that and going out and doing nothing. Like, she's one of those square bear reading book persons. Yeah. So I don't. I see her dying on some old age stuff. Like even beyond me, she gonna live past me. Looking like yeah, women turtle. does live longer than men anyway. Right, and she take care of herself way more than I do. So yeah, there it is. <laughs> so she's gonna like be ninety something, eighty something, ninety, hundred and two years old on some wet Betty White type stuff. Oh my gosh, yeah. But my kids, I just know that they're gonna go get out and get into stuff and get involved in things. Yeah, and have an interaction with people and what have you. And so that's why I'm like it's. It had to be extreme. It had to be extreme where I'm going to come at you and want to kill you and at that level where I'm ready to kill you. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. And if I do, I don't know if I'd run away. I'd be like, yeah, I shot that person. They did something to my child. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, a little self-defense. Yeah, like, right? or they did something. Heck yeah. Like, you I'm not going to try to get away with I'm it because... Gonna, it's not about getting yeah. away. They, they died. Yeah. I, if, and I, honestly, I'm one of the people that probably would let the system do its job. And if you didn't do it, then I'm killing them. Yeah. Like, he didn't go to jail, and you didn't put him away after, you know, beating my child or killing my children, and he's not in jail or on death row, then trust and believe, I'm going to shoot him in his face. Yeah. Like yeah. a sniper. <laughs> yeah, that vigilante justice. Hell diaper. yeah. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, bruh, he about to get it there. Yeah. Like, okay, fine, fine. Nope, let him out. I'm not even going to act like I'm mad about it. Right, huh? <laughs> and I'm going to be playing duck hunting, like an old Mario game on my phone every day. They'll be like, this nigga don't play nothing but duck hunting. <laughs> I love that game. Like, bruh, because I'm knocking something down, bruh, and I'm preparing my mind. <laughs> Well, well, we'll be back next week with part two of this case. So everybody just keep your minds open. And hopefully at the end of this, maybe we can solve the case. Like we saw, remember you saw the John Bonet Ramsey case? Girl, don't tell people I said I saw that. Whoever that person was there, I don't want them coming to my house. (laughs) Well, make sure you remember, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. Join the discussion group. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. If you like us, even if you hate us, but preferably if you hate us, don't leave the review. Kind of just email me about it because I just want to cheat. I only want five stars on there. Bruh. <laughs> you can send it to me if you hate us, bruh. Yeah. I don't care. I love haters. Yes. <laughs> follow. Uh, and I'm like fo- Howard Stern. And follow me on um, TikTok, Author Nisha. So yeah, this is going to be good and we'll be back next week. Take care. Watch your back out there.